Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. We're continuing a series that we're calling The Daniel Dilemma, where we learn from a guy who went through pretty much what we're going through now, 2,600 years ago. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, who's up here on the front row. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others, just like what happened to Rebecca. Difference was made. We want to help people know God and find freedom, find freedom from anxiety, right? And discover their purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. Because it's, woo, it's a good life that he wants you to have. But you don't get there overnight, and you don't get there by yourself either. You need a, a team of people that's around you encouraging you along that, right? So that's, that's why we meet every Sunday. That's why we get together in our small groups. And the goal we're reaching for is actually found in Ephesians 3.20, which says, All glory to God, because he's able, through his power working in us. Whose power? His power working in us to accomplish How much? infinitely more than we could ask or think. That's what we're reaching for. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, it's time to take the limits off. Just take them off. Well, y'all, this past week, I, uh, I heard this really troubling story, and I wanted to share it with you guys just to make sure that it doesn't happen to you. A middle-aged couple went grocery shopping. They had their mask on, of course, lest they get in trouble with the mask police. For the first time in five months, they were able to get everything on their grocery list. Oh, man. Honestly, it was like the first time they felt accomplished at the grocery store in quite some time. The problem came when they got home, though. They walked in the door, took off their mask, and she realized she had brought home the wrong husband. (laughs) So stay alert, people, because you really don't know who you're talking to these days. And on a side note, I do feel an obligation to let you guys know that masks are not required in the car. Anybody seen somebody wearing a mask in the car? I'm not sure why people wait until they get home, like why this couple waited until they got home to take their mask off, but I like how someone else explained the benefit of just taking off that mask as soon as you get in the car. They said, taking off your mask when you get in the car is like taking off your bra when you get home. (laughs) And all the ladies testify to that, right? (laughs) All right, y'all. I always like to give you a good laugh. Stop taking everything so seriously. God's in control, and we can trust him with our lives. All right, let's continue our series called The Daniel Dilemma. It turns out we currently face a dilemma a man named Daniel faced 2,600 years ago. Daniel was Jewish, which meant he belonged to the people of God. And back then, Jewish people were the only ones who had access to God. But thanks to Jesus, we've all been adopted into God's family. Somebody could shout to God for that. Thank you, Jesus. He didn't have to do it, but he did. But since Daniel was Jewish, you'd assume that he was probably surrounded by, you know, people who just followed God with all their heart and followed all the scriptures. Unfortunately, at this time in history, that's not what they were doing. I'd imagine it actually looked a lot like America looks right now. Bummer. But Daniel was one of the few that didn't give in to culture. He continued to live a righteous life, even when a majority of his friends and family were out following the ways of the world instead of the ways of God. But because everybody was drifting, things didn't turn out so well for God's people. And we got into detail in that last week. But basically, they were captured by King Nebuchadnezzar and then taken to Babylon to serve him and his kingdom. Bummer. Now, last week, we talked about how culture has an agenda for us, right? It wants to change our identity first. That's where it starts. And then it wants to compromise our standards. And then it wants to create confrontation. 
and make sure that it won its battle on the first two, right? And Christians really struggle with this confrontation thing. We tend to either like spew truth out of our mouths like it's a toxic substance, or we tend to start advocating for sin without even realizing that we're doing it. And the thing is, we need grace and truth working together, right? We need to be compassionate towards others while remaining confident that the word of God is truth. Once we're full of grace and full of truth, just like Jesus was, we're ready to go out and effect change in culture. That's how we do it. And that's why the night before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus knew he was going to cross. He was about to die. The night before, he prayed for you. He prayed for you. He was thinking about you. And here's what he prayed. It's found in John 17, verse 15. I'm not asking that you would take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. You see, Christians like to adopt this fort mentality. We're going to barricade the doors of the church and separate ourselves from the world. No, we don't belong to the world, but the last thing Jesus wants is for us to be taken out of the world because we have to be in there to make a change in the world. But he wants us safe from the evil one while we're out there making a difference. Sounds like a better plan than creating a fort, doesn't it? So when you receive the gift of salvation by believing in Jesus, hear me in this, the devil can't take it away from you. When you receive the free gift of salvation by believing in Jesus, the devil can't take it away from you. So he has to change his strategy. He just wants to make sure you don't take very many people with you. And so the devil would love for all of us to just create this fort and separate ourselves from the world. And that's why you see so many churches that are inward focused. They don't even care about the lost. They just want a safe place for themselves where they feel comfortable and kumbaya. Well, you're not going to get that here. Actually, the most important thing to us is that lost people, people who don't know God, come through those doors and find him here at No Limits. That's what we want to see. If you're looking for a church where everyone behaves like a mature Christian, you might be a little disappointed here. I'm sorry, but we're a church who accepts you as you are and at the same time loves you too much to leave you there. We're going to pull you up higher. So this poses a challenge. How do we live in the world and not become like the world? Well, today I'm going to simplify it for you because there's really only one culprit to ungodly behavior. Can you believe it could be that simple? Just one. There's only one thing that drives every ungodly behavior. It's all rooted in one mindset. And once you can identify this mindset, you'll be able to be in the world without, letting, without allowing culture inside of you because you'll recognize it. Well, what is this one thing? Individualism. And here's the deal. When you recognize how the devil works through individualism, you're not going to fall for it so easily. I believe that this message is going to be like turning on the light in a dark room. You're going to be like, oh. How did I not see that? Because this is the devil's one lie, and it spawns all the other lies. And you can see it the very first time he spoke in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. He's always trying to get you to elevate yourself above God. Individualism. Elevate yourself. You can move forward just a few chapters in the book of Genesis and see Satan using the same exact lie in the story. It's called the Tower of Babel. Here's what they said. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. You see, the devil knows that all he has to do is promote you and elevate you and fill up your little pride tank to get you off track. That's what he does. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. Well, thanks. We all could be speaking the same language if that wouldn't have happened. But this is where the name Babylon comes from, and the word Babel literally means confusion. 
Because if you follow a way other than God's way, it's going to produce confusion in your life. You'll find yourself living in chaos. Can you all see why the world's living in chaos right now? And if you're living a life of chaos and you spend your days confused, then you might just want to ask yourself, have I adopted the mindset of individualism? Because as soon as you get it out of your life, all of a sudden, things become clear. And the beginning of your Bible isn't the only place that you're going to find this. You're also going to find it at the end. Let me show you Revelation 17.5. A mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. So all the obscene things you see happening in the world started because somebody decided to elevate themselves above God. And that's why you hear things. Okay, this, this is hilarious. Like this stuff identifies itself once you know what you're looking for. That's why you hear things like this. My body, my choice. Did you hear that? My body, my, as an excuse to kill a baby. Who's my elevating self, right? Or how about the pride movement? That's pretty good, right? Pride comes before a fall. <laughs> okay. Elevating, because they're elevating their ungodly choices above the word of God. Prideful. You can even go to the middle of your Bible and find it there. Isaiah 47, 8 says, Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am, and there is none besides me. I'll never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. So with the individualist mindset, you become so full of yourself that you believe, I'm untouchable, and nothing can happen to me because I'm so awesome. Well, Both of these will overtake you in a moment. On a single day, loss of children and widowhood, they will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and your potent spells. So individualism always starts off as fun fun and games. It's kind of fun to put people down and and hear people say good things about you. Man, that feels kind of good, doesn't it? But it always ends in destruction. You have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. You may have never said that, but have you thought it? (laughs) But anyone else seen how this has taken over our culture? You don't even have to go into the dirty places to see it. Just open up Instagram and you get an endless feed of individualism. It's endless. You can just keep going and keep going. In this scripture, we find the same exact mentality we need to watch out for. And it comes so suddenly, you don't even know that it's there until somebody points it out to you. And that's what I'm praying for today, that just, if, if that's in your life, that The Holy Spirit just points it out to you today so that you can get rid of it. No condemnation here. If you walked in with an individualist mindset, you can walk out without it, not be condemned and not feel bad about it. You can just walk out in freedom. But this is what it sounds like. I am, and there's none besides me. The biggest trick of the devil right here, if he can get you self-focused, and he can eventually get you to think that you're smarter than God, you know more than God, and that your ways are better than God's. Every sin, every ungodly behavior can be summed up into one idea, If you're taking notes, here's your first blank to fill in. It's when you elevate self. And this expresses itself in three different ways. First one, self-adoring. Let me post a selfie so people can see how cute I am. Oh, and when I'm at the gym, I'm going to take some pictures of myself so that people can see that I'm working on the muscles, right? All right. No condemnation. No condemnation. I'm just pointing it out to you. Self-building. I can do this without God. I'll let you know when I need you, God, but until then, just stay out of the way. I'll I'll come visit you on Sunday, but in the rest of the week, just leave me alone. And the truth is, most people really don't believe that they need God until everything goes wrong in their lives. And the third one, self-indulging. If it feels good, do it. I mean, no God would ever ask me not to do something that makes me feel good. 
In order to elevate self, there's something else that has to take place at the same time. You have to lower God. You have to make God less than he is. You have to put him below your ideas, your passions, your pleasures. And that's exactly what culture does. It wants to mock God every chance that it gets. And there's three lies that cause us to do this. Three lies that cause us to lower God. And here's the first one. God doesn't love me. I mean, why would God call me out as something that makes me feel good? The greatest expression of love is God who lavishly forgives and then takes it one step further and calls you to live according to his word so that you can live in freedom. That's what love looks like. Well, about a year ago on a lovely Monday morning, Beth and I rolled out of bed. And to be honest with you, we were struggling to find a good attitude. Had our kids that woke us up early like they do every morning. And we were trying to get in there and fix some breakfast. And we walked into the kitchen. We noticed this terrible smell. Like it was just awful. So we're both like sniffing around, like on the floor, like sniffing, like trying to find the source. Like, was it the trash can? Did the dog poop somewhere? Are the onions rotting? Anybody? Are the potatoes rotting in this? Oh man, that's bad. What is it? So we searched everything. Beth is even like cleaning the floor, (laughs) thinking that it's on the floor somewhere. We couldn't find the source yet. It kept coming back. And then one of our girls, Adeline woke up. So I went to her room, opened the door and bam, I found the source. Wow. Apparently, at some point in the night, Adeline not only threw up in her bed several times, but she also blew out of her diaper. It was a rough night for Miss Adeline. There was only one way to fix this problem. You got to tackle it head on. So you pick her up, put her on the changer. I unzipped her little onesie just to find out that there was poop all over her. And it had been there a while. And at this point, like my heart literally broke into a thousand pieces because I just started to play this scene through my mind. Like, what must it have been like for this little baby to be in her bed, rolling around in her mess all night, not knowing what was going on? And we have a baby monitor in her room, so we heard her fuss a little bit throughout the night, but it was never anything extensive. Shows you how tough she is, right? But if I'm honest, there was a moment in the night where I just wondered, has she gotten sick? And in hindsight, I realized that was the Holy Spirit just giving me a gentle nudge. You need to go in and check on her. But I didn't check on her. I went back to sleep. So after playing this scene in my mind and realizing that I should have been there to help her, I fell apart. Like, I don't cry very often. I don't know why. I just don't. But at this point, I was sobbing, like in the laundry room, sobbing. And Beth was like, what is the matter? And I couldn't even tell her. (laughs) It took a while for me to be able to tell you. God is a much better dad than I am. He loves you too much to let you sit in your mess. He's not going to leave you in it. He's going to help you out of it. He forgives every one of your mistakes. He really does. But that's not enough. His love extends far beyond that by correcting you when you're heading in the wrong direction. He's going to put people in your life who will call you out and lift you up out of your mess. He'll show you the truth and his word. It may hurt a little. But deep down, you're going to know that it's going to lead you into freedom. You see, our culture is telling us that God doesn't love us and that he's trying to take away our freedom. But the truth is, God loves you too much to let you flop around in your mess. He's going to give you truth so that you can step into freedom. And here's the second lie. God isn't for me. You know, people think that God punishes us with sickness and natural disasters and all other kinds of calamity. But this is a lie. Let me fill you in on a little truth. We bring that on ourselves by living our life apart from God. (laughs) I don't know why we blame God for it. Like he says, uh, God says, hey, keep sex between one man and one woman. 
who have committed themselves to each other in marriage. We decide that our way is better, and then we get mad at God whenever our relationships start falling apart. God, you did this. No, I gave you instruction, my son. (laughs) You just didn't follow it. Or he says, hey, you know, you might want to take care of your bodies because you're going to need them like your whole life. And then we get mad at God when type 2 diabetes comes knocking at our door because we've been drinking pop every day and, and eating processed food and never stopped, even whenever he revealed the truth to us. So every instruction in the Bible is for your benefit. Everybody say, my benefit. He didn't write it for himself. He wrote it for you. He wants you to live your best life. We just get, we just get convinced that culture, by culture that our own way is better. But it's not. Here's the third lie. God wants too much from me. Is it a challenge to live according to the word of God? Anybody testify to that? A little bit of a challenge? Yeah, it is. But God doesn't leave you to do it on your own. He gives you the Holy Spirit. I mean, how cool is that? God loves you so much that he clearly shows you in the word what to get away from. And it, man, the Bible has been preserved over the past 2,000 years. And if you go and look at the history of how many times they try to destroy the Bible and it never got destroyed, you would realize how much of a gift the Bible is to us and all that instruction that's in it. If you haven't done that, I, I encourage you to do that because we need to see the Bible is like the most valuable thing that we have in our lives because it is. But he gives you that. And then not only that, he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in what he's asked you to do. He didn't say, here's the instruction. Uh, good luck. He said, here's the instruction. Here's the Holy Spirit. Get out there and follow my word because you can do it with the Holy Spirit. So individualism can be defined as four simple words. It's when you elevate self and lower God. And there's a pillar story in the book of Daniel that illustrates this really well. You may have wondered at this point, well, weren't we talking about Daniel? Where's he at? Well, here he is. All right, it's found in chapter four. And it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. Was he American? So here's the Babylonian king, and he's content without God, and he's elevating himself in the process. Imagine that. The story goes on, and Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that frightens him. And in the dream, he sees that this tree that is healthy and strong, and it's tall enough for the whole world to see it. Its leaves are beautiful. It has abundant fruit. And every living creature just enjoyed its presence. But then a messenger from heaven comes down, and he has the tree chopped down. And all the animals run off. So this dream frightens Nebuchadnezzar, so he calls all his magicians and enchanters to come interpret the dream. They couldn't do it, so he called up Daniel, because he's like, ah, Daniel here is from God, maybe he can interpret this dream. So here comes Daniel, influencing culture the right way. He had the interpretation, and he knew the king could kill him for it, but he comes in with strength and courage. And... uh, This is not what you expect to be, the word from God, the interpretation of the dream. We like it when God brings us an encouraging word, something that makes us feel good. Doesn't always come through that way. I'm about to show you. That tree, your majesty, is you. Well, that's a great way to start off a conversation with the king, but it gets even better. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Wow. I bet the king is loving Daniel right here. Oh, thank you, Daniel. That's the greatest word I've ever heard. But remember how the word Babylon means confusion? You get deep enough into elevating yourself, and you're just going to start acting like an animal. Hmm. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. So the only way to step out of confusion... The only way out of individualism is when you figure out that God is the one to be elevated. Ah, 
But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. This is how good God is right here. Ooh, I love this. King Nebuchadnezzar totally walked away from God in favor of himself. But as soon as he gets his eyes focused back on God, God restores his kingdom. I mean, come on, how good is God? He doesn't just leave you in your insanity even when you're the one who caused it. He leads you back to truth and restores you back to a prosperous life. That's how much God loves you. But get this, even with the foresight, he got his dream interpreted. You think he might change directions? Well, he didn't. He continued to elevate himself. So exactly what was predicted happened to old Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. No joke. I bet that was really tasty. But after seven years, he finally had enough living like an animal. And look at what happened to old King Nev. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. Oh, he looked up, finally. And my sanity returned. And I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. Woo, that's a perspective shift, isn't it? Gets even better. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him. Wow. It's like night and day for King Neb, right? He finally came too. He finally realized that without God, we're nothing. And we have no place to question what God does or what he says in his word, because what he does and what he says is right, and it's true, and we don't need to question it. We just do it. And look at the result of Nebuchadnezzar switching his perspective. When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Only God can restore you and make you better, make you greater than you were before. Only God loves you enough to call you out of your mess. Only God gives you honor with man because you honored God first. Only God can do that. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Yeah, he found that out, didn't he? So he finally got it figured out. Too bad he had to spend seven years acting like an animal before he finally decided to stop elevating himself and instead elevate God. And this is my prayer for America. I pray that this virus, these racial tensions, the economic turmoil moves us to a place of humility where we stop elevating ourselves and instead elevate God. And it starts with you. You can humble yourself today. And when you do, God's not only going to restore you, he's going to make you better than you were before. So really, why wouldn't you humble yourself? Why, why do we even hesitate to do that? Because here's the deal. When you elevate God, he elevates you. Try to elevate yourself and you're going to fall hard, just like old King Neb did. But put God first and you don't have to worry about being elevated because he's going to take care of it for you. And it's going to be way better than anything that you could have done by yourself. So let's wrap this up. I want to give you three practical things that you can do every day just to make sure that you're not elevating yourself. And here's the first one. I will elevate God above everything. This is your choice. Not just on Sunday, not just on church. I will live my entire life elevating God and his word above everything else. We're really good at elevating a football team, right? So if you're wondering, well, how do I elevate God? Just look at the crazy football fans. They give us a good example. They put everything else on the back burner when it's time to watch their football game. They get focused in and they don't let anybody interrupt them. We got a confession over here. They scream, they yell, they tell all their friends about it. It's a good time. 
I'm not saying that football is bad. I'm just trying to give you all a picture. What does it look like to elevate something? And we should elevate God with the same energy, the same passion. Just keep in mind, culture is okay with you elevating football, but they're not okay with you elevating God. So get ready for some crazy looks when you start doing that. But it's worth it because when you elevate God, you rid yourself of individualism. He elevates you. You step into freedom. Who's laughing at you now? Here's how the psalmist elevated God in Psalms 145.1. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. We did that this morning. Good stuff. Here's the next one. I will acknowledge God. I will acknowledge that everything God does and says is right, and I don't have any grounds to argue about it. Acknowledge that God's word is 100% truth. 100% truth. 100%, not 99, not 80, 100% truth. And there's no law in that culture can pass that's going to get me to disregard the truth that I find in the Bible. If they tell me I can't believe something in the Bible because it's offensive, I'm sorry. But you can't coerce me into abandoning the truth because I love people too much to abandon the truth. Those around me need me to stick with the truth because if I don't have truth in my life, I'm ineffective. I can't make a difference. You can only make a difference with truth. Here's a practical example for you. Culture currently tells us we shouldn't gather because of this virus. Well, the Bible tells me not to abandon the gathering. I've got a conflict going on here. So I'm going to follow God's word and trust his protection, just like you guys are this morning. Culture tells me to elevate one race over the other because apparently that's the only way to solve this racism issue. But God's word tells me that there's no longer this race or that race, that we're all one in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to follow the word. Truth comes from God and God alone. You can't convince me otherwise. I will acknowledge God above all else. And that's what we all should be walking around with, that mindset. And here's the deal. When you elevate God and acknowledge that everything he says is true, culture can't touch you. They try and they get frustrated because you're like, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm not really sorry, actually. I'm going to follow the word because the word is truth. I love this. One of my favorite scriptures, I think, in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you've accomplished something on your own? There it is right there. God made you. Newsflash. (laughs) We wouldn't be here without God. He gave you your gifts and talents. He saved you by giving his one and only son, Jesus. He gave us everything we need on this earth to eat and to build shelter and to make a living. Who did that? God. It's not you, it's God. So why why are we getting caught up in ourselves as if we've accomplished something? God did this, which leads us into the third thing. I will humble myself. Listen to me. Humility is coming, whether you initiate it or something else does it for you. But can I tell you something? It's a lot more pleasant to just humble yourself. (laughs) Just do it yourself. That's why the Bible says it in James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So Nebuchadnezzar, he was given that choice in a dream. He had the opportunity to humble himself, but he didn't do it, so he was humiliated in front of everyone. And the same choice as before you. Are you going to choose humility, or are you going to choose humiliation? later on. Because I can promise you, if you don't humble yourself, humiliation is coming. It's coming. Don't you see what's happening to America? Our country has elevated itself above God, and now we're being humiliated in front of everyone. We're killing our future with abortions. We're killing our future with homosexuality, because I don't know if you realize this, but you can't reproduce. 
when you're the same sex. Doesn't work. God didn't make it that way. We have people who sit around and let the government take care of them, even when they're more than able to go out and contribute to society and make their own living. America has become a laughingstock to the entire world because we chose to elevate ourselves instead of elevating God. Isn't it clear to see how this happened? Just one person at a time buying into the idea of individualism. I am, and there's none besides me. It's like a religion, really, individualism in America. Life has become all about what's convenient for me, what feels good to me. But you have the ability to change it. And all it takes is for you to humble yourself. And I, got, I feel like I need to explain humility because some people like envision humility as like cowering down as if you have nothing to offer, that you're, o- that you're always going to live in poverty. And like, you know, that's just the thing that you visualize when you hear the word humility, but that's not it at all. True humility is just simply elevating God above yourself. You still walk around with confidence. Your confidence isn't in yourself, though. It's in God. And just like James 4.10 says, when you do that, God's going to elevate you. He doesn't leave you down in the dirt. He like lifts you up into the amazing call that he has on your life. And you go out and make a difference with boldness and with courage. That's what humility looks like. And this is how you have an impact on culture without it getting inside of you. Every moment, every situation, you simply take a moment, elevate God. Anytime you feel yourself, anytime you, you sense yourself elevating yourself, change it around and elevate God. Prioritize him. Just take that initiative because you don't want to be humiliated. Just humble yourself. So let's take a moment and do that right now. Go ahead and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I ask you to show us those hidden places in our lives where individualism has crept in there and we didn't even realize it's there. Show us where we're elevating ourselves. I ask for just the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, just to be operating in every life right now pointing out those areas in our lives. Just show them to us, God. Bring them to, bring them to the surface so that we can deal with them this morning. And once he reveals those things to you, I want you to just take a moment right where you sit and just receive forgiveness first. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. And then just take a moment to think like, What would it look like to elevate God in that area instead of myself? And just begin to praise him. You can whisper it. You can speak it out. You can lift your hands, whatever that looks like for you. Just take a moment and do that. during this message, you might have realized that you've never given your life to Jesus, but today you realize, oh my gosh, he's real. He really did that for me. And you, you sense his presence and he's tugging on your heart, wants you to come closer. Well, go ahead, (laughs) go closer. He's inviting you in. And all you got to do is say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I've been doing my own thing, but I'm done with that. I want to follow your way. Just make that decision right now in your heart. And Jesus, we honor you. We lift you high this morning. We elevate you above everything else in our lives. 
We want you as king of our lives. We want you as king of our decisions, king of our businesses, king of our jobs, king of our families. We want you to reign and rule in every area of our lives because we know that you are God. You know it all. You have access to all the wisdom, all the resources. It's you. And we thank you, Lord, for forgiveness this morning. For all those times that we've elevated ourselves and you even know we're probably going to do it again and you've already forgiven that too and I just ask that your Holy Spirit shows us whenever we're elevating ourselves from here on out so that we can just turn that around so that we can repent turn the other direction elevate you because there's so much freedom in elevating you and we thank you that whenever we humble ourselves which we do this morning that you're going to lift us up that you're going to give us favor with man, that you're going to bring provision that's unthinkable, that you're going to cause us to impact lives in a way that we couldn't even dream of. Lord, we humble ourselves. We choose humility today. And from this point forward, we're going to make that daily choice. In Jesus' name. If you're choosing to humble yourself this morning, say, I'm humble. I'm humble. That's me. All right, guys. Have you been joining us for 21 days of prayer? It's been a good time. We're eight days in, and you may be asking, well, what is 21 days of prayer? Well, it's something we do twice a year as a church, once in January, and then again in August. And today kicks off week two of 21 days of prayer. And we go live on the church, No Limits Church Facebook page every night at 9 p.m. to to teach you a little bit on prayer and to lead you in prayer as well. Beth and I had the first five days, and then you're probably surprised when Tim and Darla took over the Facebook Live. Thank you guys for doing that. You're doing a great job. You're going to get to see them for seven days in a row, and then I think Beth and I will be coming back. And I don't know, we may surprise you with somebody else later on. You'll just have to tune in and find out. So that's on the church Facebook page if you're looking for that. And I know these kind of things are easy to forget. It's kind of hard to create these new habits. So if you would like us to send you a text reminder, you simply text the word prayer to 918-373-9883. And even if you did this back in January, you'll have to do it again because I cleared that list from January just to make sure that you're only getting a text message if you want it. But we text you at 8.45 p.m. every night just to say, hey, we're going live on Facebook in 15 minutes and give you a link. That's all we're doing there. We're not going to bug you. We'll spam you later after the 21 days of prayer. So just just wait for that. But while you guys are texting that in, let me just take a moment to give you an update on the ministry that we support in Mexico. It's been a while, right? You guys are probably wondering what's going on in Mexico. Well, our missionary there, Ben Elliott, and his team are completely back at it. You know, when, when COVID, uh, the COVID shutdowns kind of hindered them from doing what he wanted to do, which he may have needed that little break. I don't know. It was a good rest for him. But they're back at it in the past couple of weeks. They've been preaching Jesus and seeing wonderful results. About a week ago, they were in Mesa de Palmira. Did I say that right? Kind of. <laughs> well, they were there for a few days doing ministry. And on the second day, they went to two nearby villages to share the gospel. And they believe that this is probably the first time that these people have ever even heard the gospel. How cool is that? So the very first family they ran into just listened really intently as they shared the gospel and then decided to give their lives to Jesus at the end of that. And by the time they had left those two villages, they, had, they experienced about 20 salvations. It was really awesome. Yeah. Glory to God. 
So I want you guys to know that you were part of this through your giving. Because we're all coming together and bringing our resources together, it enables us to send $1,000 to Mexico every month to help support that ministry. So you're a part of that. And if you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, you can just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Or you can give online today or anytime. And how you do that is you simply open a browser on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever device you're using. Type in nolimits.fyi. And then you can tap the giving button from there. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.